The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, this is Dr. Susan with Occupy Health. Today we're going to learn about how toxins and bad food make us sick. Dr. Campbell on his show on toxins told us that some countries won't accept our meat or cheese because of the toxic materials we feed our animals. We also learned that 80% of our insecticides come from the meat we eat. Dave Asprey told us that the coffee makers throughout the whole world send us their moldy and toxic coffee because we have no regulatory standards. But looking at the impact of food, Dr. Tom O'Brien told us that gluten sets off a fire in our body, which we call inflammation, leading to every possible disease. Two weeks ago, Dr. Joseph Smith told, elaborated that any undigested food leads to inflammation and any chronic disease. So let's learn more about how toxins and bad food can lead to the many chronic diseases that plague us today. With us, we have the honor of having Dr. Aristo Vidani. He is a professor of neuroimmunology at the Carrick Institute for Graduate Studies. He's a faculty member of the Preventive Medicine Clinic at Loma Linda University. He's also a faculty member at the National University of Health Sciences at the Lincoln College of Professional Graduate and Continuing Education. Previously, he was a professor at the Charles Drew uh, School of Medicine and Science at UCLA. And his research on environmental triggers and complex diseases has led to the development of numerous tests and detection for many autoimmune diseases, sometimes 20 years before they occur. He holds 15 U.S. patents for laboratory assessments and has published over 160 scientific articles. He's the CEO and technical director of Immunosciences Lab and the chief scientific advisor of Cyrix Labs. He's on the editorial board of six different scientific journals. He's received the Herbert J. Wrinkle Award, the Linus Pauling Ph.D. Award, and the F.R. Carrick Research Institute of Lifetime Achievements. He has done many useful things to help us in this path of healing. So with great honor, I introduce you to Dr. Vajani. Thank you, Dr. Susan, for the kind introduction. Oh, I can't be kind enough. So let's start, let's start off. What's an autoimmune disease? Autoimmune disease is when our body mistakenly attacking its own tissue under normal conditions that the way our body is designed can differentiate between self versus 
not self. So there is a, a computer within. When a child is born and the immune system is in a process development, that computer learned how to differentiate between the self-body components versus foreign materials such as bacteria, viruses, parasites. When this mechanism, when this computer makes mistake and attacking its own tissue, the end result the end result of that could be autoimmunity in the future. Okay. And how many people are affected with autoimmune diseases? According to Autoimmune Disease Association in America, 53 million Americans and 7 to 10% of the world population do suffer from autoimmune diseases and there are about 100 different types of autoimmune diseases. Is this increasing? Absolutely. When you look at the statistics, there is no doubt that, according to the articles I read in a variety of scientific journals, including Autoimmune Reviews, which is one of the best journals in the field, that indeed autoimmune diseases are seriously under rise. Wow. Is and this... Some, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, please. sorry, go ahead. Some, some, you know, when you, you know, sometimes you ask the question why, unfortunately, there is a subgroup of people, they may answer, well, because our diagnostic uh, cap- capacity or, you know, we know how to better diagnose autoimmune diseases. That's why, um, the, the, that's why we see increase in autoimmune diseases. I absolutely disagree with that. Autoimmune diseases are on the rise due to environmental triggers that we are dealing with, that some of the, your earlier guests, such as Dr. Campbell, Dr. O'Brien, and other distinguished um, uh, uh, guests that you had before uh, gave some of those answers. So, so I have no s- doubts. I have no doubts that autoimmune diseases are on the rise due to something that all of us we are doing to our environment. Okay, we're going to get more on that later. But so you're saying it's not genetic; it's primarily environmental. Uh, Susan, that's a fantastic question. According to National Institutes of Health, only one-third of autoimmune diseases are associated or could be blamed to the genes. The other two-thirds are associated with environmental triggers, such as infections, toxic chemicals, and food that we eat. And even, let's say, you know, I'm the best example myself. My mother suffered from rheumatoid arthritis and then followed by osteoarthritis for more than 47 years. She suffered for more than 47 years because she started having arthritis 
at age 40. Later on, I found out all of that was initiated due to a simple infection in the gum. Wow. So bacteria in the gum, such as Corpheromonas gingivalis or the others, releasing a toxin, the toxin gets into the blood, our body reacts against that, and then all those inflammatory materials released due to this type of reaction against the bacterial toxins attacking the joints, and after a few years ends with uh, destruction of the joints and the tissue, and, and therefore full-blown arthritis. Yes, I've seen pictures of your mother's hands, and they were so badly deformed, it was really yeah, sad. Exactly. But I would just, I would just like so, to reiterate, is what he's saying is gingivitis or infection in the gum can lead to a series of serious consequences. It's been connected with cardiovascular disease and probably every disease imaginable, probably brain diseases as well for similar mechanisms. But he's saying there's a direct link between infection in the gum and poor teeth care and autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis. Another thing I'd like to point out is apparently there are studies on identical twins where if one twin had an autoimmune disease, there's a 30% chance of the other twin coming down with one. But if you had non-identical twins and one twin had an autoimmune disease, uh, there was a 5% chance of the other twin coming down with the same disease. So that supports what um, he is saying that about only 30% of the Uh, autoimmune conditions are related to a genetic uh, factor. That's right. And in fact, my mother had 10 children. Okay. Uh, Right now, the oldest one, 87 years old. I am 72 years old. And, you know, my siblings, none of them developed arthritis. So if this is genetics, so what happened to the genes? So even if it's genetics, Unless the triggers are affecting the gene expression, individuals are not going to develop autoimmune disease. So therefore, uh, therefore, environment playing a significant role in the development of autoimmune diseases. Um, is it equal among men and women? No, absolutely not. Unfortunately, the ratio between female versus male in some cases is 18 or 20 to 1. But overall, overall, I think, you know, there, there is a, the ratio is about 2 to 3 in females versus males. Why? Okay, you can blame that, first of all, you know, uh, on the hormones, right? Which is wrong. I believe, I believe, if you look at the lifestyle of the females, they are more dealing with environmental toxins than men. Example, example, cosmetics. Do you know how many toxic chemicals are in cosmetics? Too many. Dr. Susan? Too many. Okay. And then, you know, when you tell them that this is not good for you, at least use the green kind, the safe ones. They laugh at you. Some women have 120 chemicals on their body before they even leave the house, and I don't understand it. They put on these fragrances that are horrible to endure, and they think it's sexy. Right. 
so, so this is really, you know, uh, your program is helping many, many, many people to educate themselves. Uh, uh, the other day I was looking just at a simple tea bag, Dr. Susan. Yes. Simple tea bag, the tea bag that everybody is using, making tea, has 20 different toxic chemicals. Wow. Scary. Yeah. And, and so, therefore, this lifestyle that we are following on daily basis is not healthy to our immune system. And so, therefore, when our immune system doesn't like it, the result of that is going to be uh, immune disorders, including autoimmune diseases. There are so many chemicals. You are pointing out that putting uh, lemon juice or vinegar or ketchup in a plastic bottle, it's dissolving some of the plastic when you're eating this. I mean, you also pointed out each year there's 2,500 new chemicals in more than 6 billion different products, and these accumulate in the body, and they bind to our tissue, so it's seen as foreign. So we get antibodies going after it, which starts this whole chain of events. Exactly, exactly. Susan, even I, I would like your listener to also hear this one, that you don't need really to put vinegar in a plastic in order to uh, dissolve the plastic raw material into the liquid. Um, sometimes water can do that. So everybody is drinking from plastic bottle. Uh, is prone to some kind of autoimmune disorders, endocrine disorders. And an article I was reading in uh, Environmental Health Perspective, which is the official journal of the government, uh, that if you, for example, take a piece of salmon and put it in a plastic container, due to simple contact, simple contact, between that salmon with the plastic, significant amount of that material from the plastic get absorbed into the salmon. So even whatever we keep in refrigerators, we should not preserve food in the plastic, whether hot or cold. In this case, I'm talking about a piece of salmon, not cooked. Just you preserve it in a refrigerator, by becoming in contact with the plastic material, chemicals from the plastic get transferred to the food, and then we eat that food. Wow, I didn't know that. And what he's talking about, uh, bisphenol A is an oil that uh, it's, it's found in a lot of plastics, and it's lining of the tin cans, and it's on our receipts we get from the grocery stores. But this crosses the blood-brain barrier, which we'll get to later, binds to enzymes, so these enzymes don't work, which sets us down a path. Now, also, a lot of companies are saying, we don't have BPA in our plastic or in our cans, but aren't they misleading us? Yes. Um, Susan, an article was published in Science, I believe, three or four years ago, that the plastic, the BPA-free plastic, is as bad as BPA, bisphenol A. So the bottom line, plastic is plastic. Any, you know, when they use synthetic material and make plastic, you know, any synthetic material, in my opinion, is bad to our health, particularly to our immune system. 
Don't they have bisphenol A through U, and they'll just substitute bisphenol B through U, which will be just as bad, if not worse? Right. You know, that, so the article showed, you know, the uh, replacement for bisphenol A, first of all, is as bad as bisphenol A. Secondly, both of them, bisphenol A and BPF-free plastic material, competes with our thyroid hormone receptor. And so later on you may ask a question, I'm not the expert in thyroid, but at least I know many people are developing thyroid autoimmunity. Did you know that about 50, I think 50 million or 30 to 50 million, exact number I don't remember, but maybe 30 million, of Americans are suffering from hypothyroidism? Yes, most of it's autoimmune. Yeah, so most of it is autoimmune. And then here we, we, you know, it was shown that if you put the chemical structure of bisphenol A, side by side with thyroid stimulating hormone, they are almost identical. Wow. And so that's why we call these plastic material, including bisphenol A and many others, endocrine disruptors. Wow. They are interfering with our endocrine system. And since we know hormones playing a significant role in autoimmunities and some of these chemicals, the endocrine disruptors, such as bisphenol A, interfere with estrogen, progesterone. Therefore, that could be another answer. Why we have so many autoimmune diseases in uh, uh, females versus males. Well, let me get on to some other toxins because BPA is not the only one. And I'm not very good at pronouncing these, but tetrabroma. Bisphenol A is a fire retardant that we spray on things to slow down fire by five minutes on clothes, rugs, couches, things that we lie around on, our pets lie around on. That goes into us. Then there's tetrachloroethylene that's in the dry cleaners, and that chemical is pretty bad for us. I mean, they wrap it in the bag to concentrate it, make it worse. There's mercury heavy metals in our amalgams, which are putting in our teeth, but in Europe, uh, they, the EU has passed a law that you don't put this in their kids under age 15. Parabens, once again, in all women's products. Aflatoxins, peanut molds, release aflatoxins as they grow. And then PCBs, polychlorinated biphenols, this disrupts the blood-brain barrier and promotes brain metastases. This uh, is really bad. And then there's formaldehyde and, and st- even chemicals in our paper cups. And any chemical we put in our skin can go into our body. So this is pretty serious, folks. We have to be very careful about our environment. And Dr. Virjani will tell us how this is going to affect us. Yeah, all these chemicals that you mentioned, particularly those uh, which have similar structure to bisphenol A, um, uh, not only they get into our body, they combine with our tissue for neoantigen, we call that neoantigen, or bind to the fat cells and stay in the body almost for 25 to 40 years. So when it comes uh, uh, for measuring chemicals in the urine and blood, 
many people think, or many scientists think, that chemicals are in and chemicals are out. Maybe that is correct for 80% of the chemical, the amounts of chemicals can get released um, after kidney function and everything through the urine. But a minute amount of 10 or 20%, tetrachlorobisphenol A, tetrabromobisphenol A, and other chemicals bind to our tissue and setting the stage for autoimmune disease in the future. So unfortunately, laboratories, what they do, they measure levels of these chemicals in the urine and in blood. But um, when bisphenol A levels and other chemicals were measured in the, in the urine, 97% of the population had very high levels of these chemicals in their urine. Wow. So as an immunologist, I'm interested in how much chemicals, not how much chemicals released into the urine, because that indicates exposure, which we know everybody's exposed. I'm interested to know how much binds to our tissue, where then make our immune system to go after the chemicals bound to our tissue, which is the mechanism responsible for induction of autoimmunities. So are you saying that these bind to our tissues so it looks foreign to our immune system and our immune system is trained to go after anything foreign to try to eliminate it, get antibodies to go after this, and it's destroying our tissue at the same time? Is that how autoimmune diseases start? That's right. That's right. Another example, you mentioned the heavy metals. For example, mercury. First of all, mercury is not only in amalgam, Susan. Mercury also is in fish. Uh, mercury also is, unfortunately, in our water. Mercury gets into even organic vegetables. Okay. Wow. So, uh, a study was done or conducted in, uh, uh, in Amazon when they looked at uh, individuals working in the gold mines. As you know, those individuals on a daily basis are exposed to significant amount of heavy metals. Then they looked at individuals consuming fish versus those who do not consume fish. What they found that those who were working in the gold mines developed antibodies, about 70% of them developed antibodies against nuclear material, meaning the cell and the nucleus of the cell which that indicates that heavy metals, when they get into our body, first bind to the membrane of our cells and then manage to penetrate the membrane of the cells, get to the nucleus, bind to our DNA and RNA, and then our body makes antibodies against our own DNA and RNA which in very simple terminology, when we do testing for autoimmune diseases, we call that anti-nuclear antibodies. Yeah. But the question I am asking, why our body makes antibodies against our nuclear material, the nucleus of our cells? I just gave you the mechanism. Mm -hmm. The heavy metals 
after entering into the blood, maybe 80% released through the urine, but 20% get inside the cell, bind to the nucleus, and then our immune system goes after that cell, which contains mercury, destroying the cell, and then making antibodies against combination of mercury plus our RNA or DNA. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Yeah. we've got like three minutes to a break, so I just want to warn you that's coming. But it's going to be very important. What do we do about this other than trying to minimize exposure? Uh, Okay. So so then, unfortunately, uh, let's say if I'm a patient and go to a rheumatologist and he will do tests on me and say, well, your anti-nuclear antibody is elevated. And then uh, I'll ask the doctor, what is anti-nuclear antibodies? The answer will be, this is a test that we do diagnosis of autoimmune diseases. But that wasn't my question, Susan. My question is, what, what is anti-nuclear antibodies? Why my body makes anti-nuclear antibodies? When we understand that, then we, the only choice we have to eliminate the triggers. For example, if we consume lots of fish, Right? More yeah. mercury gets into our body. So it's not just the miners, individuals consuming mercury through fish, consumption of fish. Also, they make antibodies against uh, their own nuclear material. So the bottom line is first to be aware and then try to consume fish or other products with minimum amount of toxic chemicals. But the question is really, how can we find that? Is there really fish without any mercury in the world that we live? So those are the questions. Okay. Well, we're coming up to a break now, so we're going to learn more when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, how horrifying this is. So many chemicals and they're affecting us so adversely. Now, we've had many speakers in the past talk about the microbiome and how essential that is for our health. And if our bacteria aren't many and well-balanced, every disease imaginable will come into play. So uh, these toxins, do they affect the microbiome, the, uh, the happy bacteria in the intestines? There is no doubt, Susan. Uh, uh, again, my background is uh, I started as a microbiologist. I learned in a microbiology laboratory that each bacteria loves different kinds of foods. That's why in the microbiology laboratory, there are different media. The basic is agar, but there are rice agar, a potato agar, um, blood agar. So there are some bacteria love very much rice, the other like potatoes, the other love blood. So that the, the meaning of that is really you are what you eat. And even recently, I was reading about um, uh, this issue that, that you are what our moms ate. Wow. Yeah, because what happens that when the mom was pregnant, when the mother is pregnant, depends during those nine months of pregnancies what kind of diet she is having. Wow. Okay. For example, um, if, is, is she drinking or what's she drinking from plastic bottles? Uh, whether or not uh, she was having some kind of procedure, uh, dental procedure, whether or not she was consuming lots of fish. So all these lifestyles that causing entry of chemicals into the mother, from the mother goes into the tissue of the baby, and so therefore causing developmental disorders. When the child is born already, the wiring of the brain are completely different from a healthy child. So, so, so that's why I first I take it to that level, that the nine months of pregnancy, and then after that, whether or not this was um, natural birth, versus uh, C-section, whether or not breastfeeding versus baby formula, all of that can affect the integrity of the gut and the microbiome of the child. Which so are you, is, say, are you saying that the mother's behavior during pregnancy can increase the chances of like having diseases such as ADHD, uh, hyper, you know, uh, you know, adult hypers. Uh, activity or autism or uh, Asperger's or other developmental d- conditions? Yeah. Unfortunately, 
again, uh, uh, we blame everything on the genes. But now the articles, after articles coming out, connecting the nine months of pregnancies and the lifestyle, let's call it lifestyle medicine, the lifestyle of the mother contributing significantly to the development of these disorders. And also, if a child is going to have, if a child is exposed to all of these, in the future, whether age 40 or 50 or 60, is going to have uh, diabetes or autoimmune disease, is all or most of that is associated with the early, those nine months, and then followed by, you know, the, whether breastfeeding or no breastfeeding, and then the diet of that individual, um, at, you know, at age one, two, three, when the immune system is in the process of development. So my answer is yes. All these disorders, to some degree, are associated with that. All of that can affect the integrity of gut microbiome. So if we have, if, for example, I consume certain food with so many toxic chemicals, that obviously is going to affect the integrity of my microbiome. I'll have more bad bacteria versus good bacteria. The bad bacteria is going to release toxins. The toxins affecting the integrity of my gut barriers. When that biological door is open, unwanted molecules can get into the blood starting the fire, which is inflammation, in the blood and in the, in the tissue, and finally opening the blood-brain barriers, now the fire is going to be in the brain, which can result in inflammation and neuroautoimmunity. So now couple, autoimmune I'd like, disease... I'd like to make a couple of points. It's that in autism, they found that some of the mothers have antibodies against the developing fetus's brain which is not going to go in a good direction, and that various environmental toxins, such as particulate and, uh, you know, uh, smog, whatever, uh, can increase the chance, uh, is associated with autism. But let's look at the blood-brain barrier. Is there a connection between the blood-brain barrier and the integrity of the intestines as, you know, maintained by good microbiome? Definitely, yes. Yes, first of all, if you look at the structure of gut barriers, versus blood-brain barriers, there's a huge similarity from biochemical point of view between these two. Yes, so I believe when, you said it was 75% similarity and overlap. That, that's right. So when the gut microbiome is affected and the gut microbiome releasing toxins, those toxins not only get into the blood, those toxins can open the blood-brain barriers and induce inflammation in the brain. For example, several articles published that bacteria, by releasing lipopolysaccharides, which are endotoxins, the endotoxins can open the blood-brain barriers and induce depression in those individuals. So when clinicians treated the gut for bad bacteria, gave them probiotics, and gave them other factors 
they found significant improvement in the depression symptomatology of those patients. Wow, so depression can be a result. Now, you say lipopolysaccharides or LPS. Where do they come from? Bacteria. Bacteria releasing a toxin. We call that endotoxin. So any bacteria in the body, anywhere? Mainly, mainly the enterobacters, which are E. coli, salmonella, shigella, klebsiella, and the others, campylobacter, jejuni, even H. pylori. All of so those. these are mostly bad bacteria in the gut. That's right. That's right. I also understand that certain foods like gluten and dairy can open the blood-brain barrier, as well as electromagnetic fields from cell phones. There's been a lot of research on that lately. Uh, so once we open the blood-brain barrier, all sorts of horrible things can go in our brain, stop various reactions that are necessary, and cause all sorts of toxins, inflammation, activation of the microglia, which once it starts, is very hard to stop. Yeah. Susan, interesting that, very interesting that both gluten, if it's undigested in certain individuals with celiac disease and non-celiac gluten sensitivity, directly can open the gut barriers. Then inflammation due to that can open the blood-brain barriers. And many people do not know that certain components of gluten cross-react with brain tissue. So when our lymphocytes reacting against gluten, the same lymphocyte can attack our brain tissue, for example, the cerebellum. um, And the same thing with Dr. Karazian. We showed that. If an individual makes antibodies against chemicals such as bisphenol A and other chemicals bound to human tissue, those antibodies, if cross the blood-brain barriers, can bind to brain tissue such as myelin basic protein, myelin oligodendrocyte glycoprotein, and other antigens of the brain. And so, therefore, this is a mechanism by which chemicals, by binding to our tissue, resulting in cross-reactivity and autoimmunity. In this case, autoimmunity against our own brain tissue. That's pretty scary. And there's also something called gluten ataxia, where uh, this cross-reactivity or molecular mimicry goes after our Purkinje or balance cells in our cerebellum, and we can't walk straight. But a lot of times it gets better removing the gluten. Scary. Yes, and if our absolutely. cerebellum isn't working well, some people connect that with a vagus nerve, which we need to totally digest our food. So we get a worse cycle where if we're not completely digesting our food and we have these clumps that aren't finished in digestion, then we get more autoimmune disease. And will this process ever stop? Um, what was the question? Can we stop the process? Well, it's just that... Uh, I mean, everything is kind of a big feedback loop because if the cerebellum is off, then the uh, signals to the gut are going to be off and then we won't be digesting our food completely and we have undigested food, which is seen as foreign by the immune system. So the process just gets worse and worse. Yeah. First of all, Susan, that uh, I, I definitely believe that as we get older, as a result of aging, our body is not making enough enzymes. 
And so, therefore, we cannot digest our food for two reasons. One, we don't make enough enzymes. Secondly, chemicals, because such as food colorings and other factors, because they are bound to the proteins, our enzymes cannot digest them anymore. And so, therefore, yes, that by itself can affect the integrity of the gut, immune response against that, cross-reaction against gluten or other food proteins results in gluten ataxia or even food immune reaction and autoimmunities. You made a very interesting point once that, for example, tandoori chicken uh, has a dye attached to it. And normally uh, in our digestive system for, to uh, digest, like, for example, tetrazine yellow, it takes, uh, we digest uh, 100% of it in two hours. But, but, I mean, well, normal digestion, we can digest things in two hours. But if we have this yellow dye added, it takes eight hours to digest only 80% of our food, which means 20% of it's left in clumps, leading to more autoimmunity. So these dyes are pretty unfriendly. Uh, absolutely. That, that is fantastic, fantastic example that uh, our listener, your listener, can, can really understand. Uh, why we should remove some of these chemicals from our environment. When we take our children or grandchildren, in my case, to birthdays, sometimes we see they come back with painting their faces. Not only they had cake with all those food colorings, also they paint their faces and their skin and all of that with all these toxic chemicals. We should learn and teach them not to do this. This is wrong because our skin is the largest, largest organ in our body. When you put chemicals on the skin, a couple minutes after that, they are in our body. And so, therefore, we have to learn not to do these kind of practices because chemicals not only bind to our tissue can set the stage to autoimmune diseases in the future. So what can we do other than try to prevent all these nasty little things that are put in our cleaning products, beauty products, food? What can we do to try to reverse this process? Okay, num- number one, number one, that this is my recommendation, that we have to go green as much as possible. Okay? As much as green as possible. Secondly, Organic food, as much as possible. Study conducted with several children and published in Environmental Health Perspective. They took several children and gave them normal diet, whatever they eat every day. And they measured levels of uh, pesticides in their blood. Let's say it was 100 units. When they put them on, on organic food for a week and they measured the same levels of chemicals, they had only 20 units instead of 100 units in their blood. So the message here, yes, we do not claim organic food is 100% free of chemicals, but it has 80% less chemicals than regular diet. So therefore, my message is go green as much as possible organic diet as much as possible, and then educate yourself uh, 
for all these daily activities that all of us, we do, for example, we are drinking from plastic bottles. We talked about it earlier. Uh, we cook with Teflon uh, in the kitchen uh, or Teflon you know, coated material. Um, so all these, or we are putting shampoo, which is full of toxic chemicals on our hair on a daily basis. So we have wow. to educate ourselves, educate ourselves, go green as much as possible, organic diet, try to remove the chemicals from your, the environment of your body as much as possible. So I call that DETECT, which is in a laboratory testing that doctors should use all kinds of methodologies to detect chemicals in the tissue, remove the chemicals, and then repair the body capacity to deal with this type of uh, invaders in the future. How do you repair? How to repair? How to repair there is by itself is really uh, a topic of probably an hour of conversation. I hope you'll have another guest in the future. But overall, I'm saying that if we have broken gut barriers, broken blood-brain barriers, okay, what we have to do is to change the integrity of the microbiome. How to change the integrity of microbiome? First, you change the diet of that individual. For example, if you eat every day hamburger, now it's better to go on, for example, to have more vegetables and fruits. If you consume a lot of sugar, now, you know, I suggest... It's better to drink just water from glass bottles, uh, less sugar, because our microbiome loves, or bad microbiomes love, uh, sugar. Um, give them probiotics. Uh, give them some amino acids, which uh, encourage growth of good bacteria, such as L-glutamine and acetylcysteine which get converted to glutathione uh, to uh, detoxify the body. And also do not forget in our GI tract and in our blood, we have a type of cell called regulatory T-cells, T-reg cell. That cell regulating our immune system. And on the membrane of T-Rex cells, we have receptors for vitamin A, for vitamin D, and certain components of cruciferous vegetables called indole-3-carbinol. So by giving them lots of carrot juice, for example, giving them fish oil, which is the best source of vitamin D, plus cruciferous vegetables, you are going to empower the T-Rex cells, which are going to take care of our bad microbiome. So this is a complete lifestyle, how to repair the barriers. Okay, sounds pretty important. Now, isn't there a way... You know, like uh, the antibodies for some of these autoimmune diseases probably start like 10 years before actual symptoms. Isn't there a way to 
detect antibodies way ahead of time that can predict a future autoimmune disease? Absolutely. That's why when I talked about detect, remove, and repair, is to detect at early stage as possible. That's the message. Uh, uh, in the past 30 years, I spent most of my time and development of, uh, developing of antibody assays for early detection of autoimmune diseases. That's exactly what we do at Cyrex Laboratories, who are using some of my methodologies, where they detect antibodies simultaneously, not only against 24 different tissue antigens, which detect antibodies as a biomarker of autoimmune diseases in the future, but also we look at the triggers, whether infections are the cause of these antibodies against our tissue, food, or toxic chemicals. So we deal not only with biomarkers of autoimmunity against our own tissue, we are dealing also with environmental toxins. All of that, those are or could be done at Cyrox Laboratories, which is in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, yes, those antibodies could be detected 10 years before the full onset of autoimmune diseases. So this would be a warning to us that, hey, troubles are brewing down the road, so we better act now. Absolutely. And Susan, I call that window of opportunity. There is a window of opportunity for probably from one to 10 years when we detect antibody against certain part of our body tissues, against environmental toxins and other triggers, we can do something about it, hopefully to reverse the course of autoimmune diseases or at least to step, uh, I'm sorry, to stop, to stop the course of autoimmune diseases. Well, tell me, some people are talking about a fecal transplant. Tell me about that. Okay. Uh, when you ask me the question about how can we fix the broken barriers, right? Yes. Uh, this is one of them. One of them is that by replacing the bad bacteria, you, you do fecal transplant. So let's take a husband and wife, and this has been done. The husband is, uh, uh, in this case, overweight, is having inflammation, an early uh, stage of autoimmune disease. He goes to a doctor. The doctor is giving the, the husband antibiotic to kill all his good and bad microbiome. And then he takes a sample of stool from his wife or a relative which is healthy and fit, separating the bacteria from that, and then with an endoscope, introducing those new good bacteria into the GI tract, especially in the uh, small intestine and the colon. By reintroducing new good bacteria through fecal transplant into the patient, that patient, after three to six months of having good bacteria, and now the bad bacteria are gone, started losing weight, and inflammation was gone, and uh, actually all those symptoms of Crohn's and ul ulcerative colitis were gone. 
I'd like so, to, we're coming down close to the end. I would just like to ask you briefly, what do you think about all the antacids that everybody's so eager to prescribe and buy? Uh, uh, can you repeat the question? What do you think about antacids and our microbiome? Uh, antacids, okay, okay, antacids. Well, first of all, remember, Susan, that let's take 100 individuals who have acid reflux. 50 of them, about 50 of them, may have too much acid, but the other 50, they have no acid at all. And these individuals, if you give them one spoon of vinegar every day, they improve significantly because they really need the acid. And those individuals, if you give them anti-acid, you make them worse on a daily basis. So anti-acids may be good for some, but they are poison for the others. I'm very much against that. We have two minutes left, so what would you like to say in summary, or would you like to give information on how to contact you? What would your final closing advice be? Well, uh, my final closing is that um, on a daily basis, we are exposed to many, many environmental triggers, including infections. Unfortunately, some of them now they are uh, resistant even to antibiotics. Uh, Toxic chemicals, hundreds of thousands of them. Uh, food which are contaminated with toxic chemicals. And these three factors affecting our immune system. Our immune system mistakenly goes after our own tissue because they're loaded with toxic chemicals. By making antibodies against these, the end result could be autoimmune disease in the future. Okay. I, so, unfortunately, we're coming to an end, so I would like to tell our listener, please do your own research, find out what you can, and uh, be well-informed so you can help yourself and you can help others. Uh, yeah. Be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.